and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Yes, you had to wait just 24 hours before we did another edition. We were already considering it with the madness of the first day of the tampering period. So many storylines coming from it. And then Tom Brady announces he will no longer be a New England Patriot. As you can imagine, Matt Sherry immediately said, emergency podcast. And so we jumped on ready to deliver this hot content to you right away. This is the Gridiron Show. All right, welcome to the Gridiron Show, and it's the trio back again. Ollie Hunter is uh, is currently, obviously, in quarantine, so we uh, we are soldiering on without him. We've got Matt Sherry and Simon Clancy with us uh, to react to the news of Tom Brady, plus so many so many big stories from yesterday, including Clancy's Dolphins winning uh, winning the off season on day one, which I'm sure he's delighted about. Uh, boys, how are we? Are we staying healthy and well. I'm about yeah, yeah, about success. I don't want to talk about Miami's success. <laughs> You've got no option. You are going to talk about it later in the show, whether you like it or not. I'm just glad I'm not a Texans fan. That's um... Yeah, oh, we are definitely going to be talking about how Bill O'Brien should be seeing his, uh, his P45 in the post immediately and the idea that him as a GM is an abs- absolute joke. But we do have to start off with Tom Brady and this statement that he's put out on social media saying to all his teammates, coaches, executive staff, Coach Belichick, uh, Robert Kraft and the whole Kraft family, and the entire organization. He says, thank you for the past 20 years of my life and the daily commitment to winning and creating a winning culture. Goes on to say that he will be a patriot for life, how he's cherished every opportunity with the team. But however, he will be moving on. On. He says he doesn't know what his football future holds, but it's time for me to open a new stage of my life and career. We have since heard from Robert Kraft, who told ESPN that Tommy initiated contact with him last night, came over. They had a positive and respectful discussion. He said it wasn't the way he wanted it to end, but I want him to do what's in his best personal interest. After 20 years with us, he's earned that right. I love him like a son. Look, we spent a lot of this offseason, Matthew, talking about that we kind of expected, that we still thought the most likely landing spot was going back to New England. It's not happening now. I'm not saying it's a shock, but it's certainly pretty big news. Yeah, it's enormous news. Um, it's slightly weird failing to wait when it just costs everything else that's going on. It's it's just odd timing, you know. But I, I think ultimately the the reality is that I, I don't necessarily think Belichick wanted to keep him. I, I don't think he wanted to stay. Now I know that's I know that sounds bizarre, but I just think that is where they were at, and multiple reasons for that. In in the case of him not wanting to stay. I think ultimately he looks at the situation with how young the offense is and thinks, is is this going to be viable for me to win a Super Bowl after what happened last season? Is anything going to change with that? And and I think at this stage of his career, that's all he's bothered about, and understandably so. As for the Patriots, you know, everybody's now talking about whether they're going to sign Andy Dalton or whoever. I don't think they will. I think they'll sign the cheapest backup they can once this initial rush on the early quarterback scores, and I, and I do think they'll go with Jared Stidham. One thing I've thought for a little while is, you know, Belichick's big thing over his career in New England is has always been trying to get ahead of trends and and things like that. And and I think outside of the period, it's one trend that's emerged massively in the last five, six, seven years since the new rookie wage scale is is the value of having a quarterback on a cheap contract for a few years early in their career, and especially now with the way teams are able to 
to create offences that younger quarterbacks are hitting the ground running at a better rate than ever. And I think that they would look at this with Brady and say, apparently they were only going to give him a one-year deal. I think they like Jared Stidham. And they would look at it and think, well, if we give him two years, then you've got Stidham going into year four, which is the last year you're going to have him, and you're going to lose that window of opportunity. So I, I, I don't think the Patriots are... I think for where they're at right now as a team, this probably makes sense for them. But it's still incredibly weird. And and like I said, I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out. If they sign a, an Andy Dalton or someone like that, then my opinion of it changes quite dramatically. But I think if it is to go younger at the position and, and kind of rebuild properly, then I'm... I'm largely understanding of why they would do it. Look, you mentioned Andy Dalton there, Teddy Bridgewater, even Cam Newton thrown out as early suggestions. Um, uh, we, I've been going back and forth with a guy over whether the Raiders could be in the Brady market, and we can talk about that. But, you know, there's still going to be some other big-name free agent or tradable quarterbacks available out there if they do still feel it's a it's a Super Bowl window. Before we get to those Brady landing spots, uh, the, the Patriots have franchised tagging Joe Tooney, which I think we were all pretty stunned about. We thought that Miami was a, a likely location for him. Uh, we immediately turned around and went, well, what does this mean? Does this mean they're keeping Brady? Does this mean that, you know, they're, they're tagging him to trade him? How does it make you feel about that move now we know Brady's not going to be there? Well, I think that's a move to build around a, an extremely young quarterback. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the one thing that's a killer for a young quarterback is, is a bad offensive line. And, and that's the reality. And they've got... You know, they've got a very young guy playing at left tackle who only has one year, well, not even a full year of starting under his belt. Um, they've got an aging right tackle. They're very good in the other two interior spots. So I, I, think, I think ultimately the idea is let's, let's build around a young quarterback by giving him the offensive line he leads. So at this point, I, I'd be surprised now if Tooney didn't sign an extension. And, did it, and I also, for me, if I had to predict right now, I would say a big potential trade acquisition in, in terms of a pass catcher either a tight end or a receiver and they go with Jared Stidham that would be my guess at this stage so Brady landing spots I guess is the next thing although Simon you've not had your say on this yet uh, are you uh, as a Dolphins fan excited about the idea that we we might have seen the end of the Patriots dominance I mean if they go with Jared Stidham I'm not sure they're ready to to be winning a Super Bowl immediately yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be glad after 20 years of, you know, seeing arguably the best quarterback of all time in your division? I mean, you know, kudos to Brady. He's had an incredible career, but all great runs have to come to an end. And I think that's what this has done. I think it would be fascinating to see whether or not they move forwards, uh, as Matt says, either with a, you know, a bridge quarterback like uh, like an Andy Dalton, um, who I know Peter King has long banged the drum about Andy Dalton going to New England if Brady was to ever leave. Um I'm not sure about Jarrett Stidham. Matt would know more in terms of how the, the organization feels about him. I have long felt that Jake Fromm of Georgia is a pretty much a perfect fit um, for what they want to do if that's, you know, if that's a direction they look at in the draft. The other option is, you know, uh, would they potentially be involved in moving up for a quarterback if one begins to fall in this year's draft or rolling stuff over for next year? And you wonder whether or not, you know, if, to, if Tooney does get moved, um, because ultimately the, the, the trade compensation for Joe Tooney would start at a three minimum because that's what New England would get if um, he would he had been allowed to leave as a free agent. So remains to be seen. But I think moving forward with Jarrett Stidham is a is a fascinating ploy. But it, you know, it does smell a little bit like the beginning of the end, potentially for Belichick as well, because I don't think you're going to win a lot of games with Jarrett Stidham as your quarterback. That's just my own, you know, having seen him at Auburn. 
he never struck me as a, a guy, certainly that last season, that you thought he was going to go and win multiple games and you know playoff games with um, with him at quarterback. In terms in terms of where Stidham's at from from the team perspective, he was exceptional in the preseason last year, which doesn't mean a huge amount. But if you compare it to where Garoppolo was at the earlier stages of his development, Stidham looked a lot better than that. His one meaningful pass in regular season action was a pick six in a game where the Patriots hadn't given up a point. So, you know. But all of the rumours are and the whispers are, and I've seen some some guys who've worked with Stidham that, that they really like what they see with him. You know, they made a borderline unprecedented decision to have him as the backup last season without uh, an experienced guy there alongside him as well, which is something that they never did initially with Garoppolo as well. So I think there are signs there that, that, that they are fans of his. I agree with Simon though as well. I mean, I wouldn't rule out the prospect of a of a relatively high draft pick coming in as well. I just what I can't see them doing ultimately is is going ahead and 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 going for an Andy Dalton or somebody like that. I do think it'll either be Stidham, a draft pick, and something along those lines. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they trade for somebody again like Brian Hoyer if the Colts end up with a a new quarterback to come in and be an, an experienced backup, but. I don't see a $17 million cap hit for Andy Dalton to be the way that they go about it at all. And, and, and yeah, I think they'll... They, I mean, you said they're not going to win games with him. I mean, the reality is that one of the biggest issues with Brady staying is that he seemingly wasn't going to work with young receivers anymore. They've just invested a first-round pick in Kale Harry last year. They've got other young receivers on the roster. You know, Mohamed Sanu came in largely as a as a guy who they thought could could plug the hole last year and it never worked due to injuries. So th- there is some talent on, on, on that. I still think they have arguably the best defence in the NFL. I mean, even with losing Collins and Van Noy, they, they are, those guys going out, it'll be replaced by younger players who started to play well last season. They've got the best secondary in the league. So I, I think they've got enough pieces in place that if, if Stidham hits the ground running, that they can be a competitive team next year, albeit with with lesser expectations than we've had in the in the past fifteen years. Um, but also, that is a big if. I mean, as you say, I am looking at your man crush lists from last year's draft side, and Jared Stidham, Jared is, Stidham is on there. Is, 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 is number one. So, um, so yeah, number one, it's, number one in I, order, as in. Start to recall that. I, I, th- I think what we would say, though, Sai, and I know we discussed this a lot last year, is Stidham was kind of the classic interesting case, and we're discussing players like this now in the draft. In that, from an arm talent perspective, you could see everything that you wanted to see. He had been in some unfortunate situations with what happened at Baylor, and then moving to the to the big program at Auburn, and, and being in a system that really didn't suit him as a quarterback. So you would say that. You just look at him from the outside and think late round pick, no chance. But actually, when you see stories of guys who slip between the cracks a little bit, you can point to some things with him that suggest he has more potential than than his draft position would indicate. So landing spots. I mean, we talked about Tampa Bay in in some ex- to some extent yesterday, and I think that when you look at the factors that Brady is looking for, which is uh, weapons, a coach, a team who in theory could come, uh, who could win a Super Bowl, who right now don't have a quarterback who would be able to do that for them. I think that they tick a lot of those boxes. Chance to work with with Bruce Arians, a great one to receive a punch and an interesting option at tight end as well. Uh, a, a 
defense uh, that's on the way up. Uh, they re-signed Jason Pierre-Paul and, and tagged Shaq Barrett yesterday. Uh, plus, no tax, which is obviously always uh, a good thing. So, uh, maybe let's ask it this way. Los Angeles, Indianapolis, those are the other two, Los Angeles more so, that have been mentioned as possible landing spots because people are pretty convinced that Rivers is going to the Colts. Why wouldn't it be Tampa Bay at this point? It just seems to make so much sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it does make a lot of sense. And I, and I think I, I think one thing, I think that the Bruce Arians style of coaching is important. Two things matter on Arians. One, I, I still think he's one of the best five coaches in the NFL. And two, I think the style of coaching is, because I think it is becoming clear. First of all, he has announced this before deciding where he's going seemingly. So it's fairly clear that this announcement is just, look, I'm leaving the Patriots. It also might bring some other teams out as well in, into the conversation because there'll be lots of teams who were wary of making the call for fear that it gets leaked out to the media and therefore their own start or something like that might be an issue. So, yeah, I think that's obviously part of it as well. But the uh, the Buccaneers do make a lot of sense for that reason because I think he did tire of the, the system in New England in terms of the lack of praise almost you know it's difficult when you're a superstar of that level and you kind of still tread the same way and as much as that contributed to the success once he got onto that other stratosphere it felt like that was an issue so the books make sense from that front i think with brady you always have to factor in the 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 business side of it as well the whole tb12 thing is clearly the next stage of his life it's not like peyton manning where we don't quite know where where he's going to land with the kind of longer-term plan for his life after football. With Brady, we know that. So I think that makes the Chargers appealing. He's clearly appealing to the Chargers, who are desperate to sell season tickets. The, the Chargers and the Bucks, to me, are a comparable team in terms of talent, but I would say Arians as the coach, I would favour more if I was making the decision. And then I still think that the Raiders are in play. I still think the Colts are the team... If there's a t- team I could imagine just making this deal without anybody realising it's happening and then suddenly it does happen, it is the Colts. And, and I think that they would like to stick it to the Patriots a bit by doing that as well. Um, and then outside of that, I, I've looked around. The Bears have always made sense to me and, and they make sense on a couple of levels. One, incredibly talented team who may be just that quarterback away. And two, the third biggest market in the US as well in terms of the TB12 stuff. The the only real wild card I would say is the um is the LA Rams as a team who have been willing to make big moves. I'm no fan of Jared Goff. I think that if he went in there, that would be a really cool story as well. But that, now I'm just throwing teams against the wall. You know, I think ultimately it probably does come from the from the books or the or the Chargers. Yeah, I just. I can't, on, Jared, I can't see Jared got. I mean, that $134 million contract, I, I can't see them undermining Goff like that a, a year off a, a Super Bowl. Um, but I, th- but I think if they could find a partner to, to trade Goff, because I think what's interesting about that contract is if, if a team sees something in him and is willing to work with him, then there, there are exit strategies from that contract, I think, after next year. So it might be that they can get something for him and offload that contract. Let's be realistic. What's the long-term plan? I mean, Tom Brady's, what, 43? Yeah, you've We're, got one or two years, Mark, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, that to me just makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, I, I think you know, I think the two teams that, you know, it, it feels like the, the Bucks and the, it feels like the Bucks and the Chargers are the leaders in the clubhouse, but I think the two teams that you mentioned, the Bears 
um, and the Colts uh, would for, for me be the two best landing spots Indianapolis seems uh, you know and I think you have to look at offensive lines I think you have to look at talent you know yeah. the skill positions but I think offensive lines are really important and I think the Colts of those teams mentioned have the best offensive line you know re-signed Anthony Costanzo um, Ryan Kelly at centre you've obviously got Quentin Nelson the, the all-pro at left guard you know the kid from Auburn at right tackle I think you know that they, they are they are set up and I don't think they need that many you know I think losing the first round pick is an issue because you know potentially if you were going to bring in Brady you might have used it on a wide receiver but it's a stacked wide receiver draft for the Colts and to me that makes a lot of sense especially you know with the kid at running back you've still got you've still got um, T.Y. Hilton you've got that, those decent tight ends with, with Jack Doyle and those guys I think that to me would be a very interesting uh, interesting situation and, and, and you know similarly with the Bears you know I, I think you know decent enough offensive line defense that could get them deep into the playoffs um, I wonder whether or not there's enough you know Alan Robinson's a good player uh, I love the kid that they've got out of um uh, Anthony Miller and whatever but you just wonder if there's maybe just lacking one extra piece at the skill positions but to me I think it's all about keeping him upright at 43 years old and that's got to be vitally important you look at the Chargers you know and you look at the Bucks those offensive lines don't fill you with glee I mean, that's the reason that Indianapolis do make some sense. Although, again, I know people are pretty convinced that that's where Rivers is going. But the one thing they do have is a much, much improved offensive line over the last couple of years. Yeah. But the only thing I would say on this as well, don't be surprised if wherever he goes, the team signs Antonio Brown either. Because there is, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. There is a bizarre relationship between Brady and Antonio Brown where I can only assume Brady's decided that he wants to take on the role of rescuing the guy. But... There has been a lot of talk, certainly around people in New England, that wherever he landed was going to be somebody that signed Antonio Brown as well. So just just one thing to, to make a note of in the back of people's mind that that could happen as well. Right, well, that's the Tom Brady conversation. And obviously, as and when he does go and visit and land somewhere, and uh, you know that will cause further discussion. So we will get into that. But it was an incredibly active night last night uh, with the uh, the tampering window opening. In fact, I, with my ridiculous body clock, fell asleep at about 10 o'clock, woke up at 2 a.m. to a slew of news uh, via Simon Clancy in a WhatsApp chat and then proceeded to be up until 6am where there was still news coming through at that time at kind of 9.10pm on the West Coast. So uh, let's start off with the big wide receiver news uh, and the big wide receiver news have both Houston and Arizona. The NFC West is looking more and more stacked next year as DeAndre Hopkins makes his way to Arizona in exchange for a second round pick an exchange of fourth-round picks, and running back David Johnson. Now, when you also consider that we're going to talk about the Stefan Diggs deal, a receiver who has a lot of talent, but I think most people would put below DeAndre Hopkins if you're talking about overall talent, I think it's astonishing how little Bill O'Brien's managed to get for really his most tradable player outside of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the worst trades I've ever heard in my entire 36 years as an NFL fan. I think it's an astonishingly bad decision. And I, but ultimately, I think it comes back to the, the Houston organization generally from the top down, uh, not hiring a general manager. Uh, to me, that's just one of the most ludicrous decisions I've ever heard. And if I'm a Texan, you know, I'm just glad I'm not a Texans fan. I know that they've got big signings coming out with Tunsil and with Deshaun Watson, but that to me just defies belief because he is their offense. 
um, and you are just taking an almighty step back now without without Deshaun Watson, well, without um, DeAndre Hopkins. Flip side for that, now Arizona, that you know that's really helping their offense. It allows them, frees them up essentially to to draft a left tackle um, in the first round, which is really going to you know help that offense along. Um, but yeah, to me, that's just a madness move for, from the Texans. Don't know what you think, Matt. Oh, it's it's insane. I mean, I've 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 defended Bill O'Brien the coach at times in the past when he had lesser quarterbacks, but his performance in the last eight eight months is is so many fireable offenses they're barely countable anymore. I mean, it's just it it's the worst trade I've known since I once personally traded a Pokemon card that was worth twenty five pound for a pound because. I really wanted to get a mix-up from the shop that was next door when I was about six. Like it's just, it's just utterly ridiculous. And and I mean, made even worse by the fact that I mean, I love Stefan Diggs, but he's not as good a receiver as DeAndre Hopkins. And that trade was announced hours later. I mean, some, you know, got some live-breaking contract news. Yeah, I've just seen it. Drew Brees doing the opposite two, of Brady. Two years, fifty million for Drew Brees. When I saw Drew Brees had signed, I was thinking, is this going to say with the Patriots? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> um, um, two years, 50 million. Isn't that, that's basically the same as the last deal they did with him, isn't it? And, yeah, it's yeah. exactly the same, yeah. It's exactly and, and the same. A lot of people thought that might be the deal that Tom Brady got in New England 12 months ago, and when he didn't, probably a huge reason for the fact that he's no longer in New England now. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Drew Brees back in New Orleans. I... I Everything you've said there is completely valid. I think it's on, on, on the trade. Though I saw someone tweet earlier on saying, um, "You know what's going to happen now? Bill O'Brien's going to sign Tom Brady and trade Deshaun Watson to the Patriots for a third round pick." <laughs> yes, please, I'll take that. <laughs> but it's just it, it is it's a dereliction of duty by everybody in the building. I mean, he he has shown that he he can't possibly be trusted with the level of responsibilities being given. It's it's just madness. That Watson trade to New England that you just you just mentioned would be one of the least dumb things Bill O'Brien's done this week. <laughs> exactly, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be top of the list somehow. It's just it's just absolute madness. And, and as I say, for me, unprecedented. I can't think of of a trade that I'd, I've immediately thought was worse for one side. I love it for Arizona as well. I, I, I'm frustrated because we, we stayed on the line after doing the podcast yesterday for a solid extra 45 minutes chatting. And I raised Arizona as a possible Hopkins landing spot. And I couldn't remember if I'd done it on pod or off pod. And Simon Clancy reliably informed me it was off <laughs> podcast. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm rarely right. It's, uh, stop clock is at least right twice a day. And I was right, but not on record. So, um, yeah, I really love the move for them and, and what it does for... Uh, they went and signed all those receivers last year and, and basically didn't look too much outside of the, the first two guys one of them who is what at least 57 years old now in Larry Fitzgerald uh, so I, it's, I think it's a brilliant move from their perspective uh, the Buffalo Bills acquire Stefan Diggs from the Vikings in uh, in another big wide receiver trade however at least this time they got some actual value for him um, We've got a uh, first round pick in 2020, uh, fifth round and sixth round this year and a fourth round next year. And they gave up a seventh this year. And of course, uh, Stefan Diggs uh, in the other direction. I mean, Diggs is someone who we saw it from a few uh, from him a few times last year. Wasn't particularly a fan of that new offense. Didn't like the fact that he wasn't seeing the ball constantly. Uh, was a receiver who at times showed petulance on the sideline, but undoubtedly has an incredible level of talent. And um, I, I don't know, great route runner, can go deep. 
immediately upgrades our offense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to bang this drum again for another 12 months, but I, I just largely, outside of Josh Allen, love everything that the Buffalo Bills are doing. Now, there is an argument they've overpaid here, but if you actually look at the amount of draft capital that they have, they weren't going to be able to fit all of those players on the roster, most likely anyway. So they had some, some capital to give away for the right player. And I think Diggs is that player. I mean, to me, he is... He's not one of the top five receivers in the NFL, but he's certainly one of the best five route runners in the NFL. Um, he just he just is a very, very good player. And, and I like the other moves they've made as well. You know, they've signed two other guys along with Josh Norman in, in AJ Klein and Mario Addison who know the defensive scheme, which is really the bedrock of, of everything Sean McDermott's done there. And I mean, with Brady gone now, there is a huge window of opportunity open in the AFC East and we'll get on to the other team trying to fill that and why Simon Clancy's waving down the camera at me. <laughs> but but I, I think the Bills, the Bills are incredibly well-placed to go through that. I mean, you look at how good their defence was last year. Um, I think there was only two or three games in the whole year where they gave up more than 24 points. So for them, it's just about getting the offence to a good enough level to be able to work with that defence to win games at the very highest level. You know, games like the Texans' playoff game that they should have won and, and managed to throw away. So, so yeah, I like what the Bills are doing overall. I think they had a really good day yesterday. And, and I think it's a continuation of a really good, you know, two or three years under, under a regime that I think has done as good a job as any in the NFL over the last few years. We'll get on to the Dolphins in just a moment. Don't worry, Simon. But let's um, just mention the other big wide receiver move yesterday. Reports are that Amari Cooper is staying in Dallas. Uh, the team gave up a first round pick uh, and uh, to, to bring the guy in and have now paid him uh, close to $20 million a year, if reports are to be believed. I mean, it, it's a no-brainer in terms of the quality of that offense and the difference when he was on the field to when he wasn't on the field. Obviously, the fact that they've tagged Dak Prescott uh, allowed them the to put a, a long-term deal on Cooper, and we talked a lot about that in the build-up to this off-season. Um, you know, I think they paid themselves into a corner in that there's no way you can let him go after you've paid the first-round pick and and paid everyone else. And you know, maybe I feel he's slightly overpaid for what he is, but I, I think that, like I say, it's it's a deal they almost had to do. Yeah, I think it's a sensible deal. I think you, you give up that first rounder. You want to keep Dak Prescott. And look, the window of opportunity for every team generally doesn't stay open for that long. You look at that offensive line. You look at the left tackle, uh, Tyron Smith, who's beginning to pick up injuries. They've got to start making... Dallas have got to push through in the playoffs. And, you know, keeping Amari Cooper was key. They obviously lost Byron Jones. You know, so they're going to have to make moves on, on, on the defense. Chris Harris might be part of that. But they've really got to... Um, you know they've got to push through uh, in a very weak NFC East um, and make a, a you know a, a sort of a, a definitive move in the playoffs. You've paid all that money for for Frederick, for for Smith, um, for for the runner for Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to be paying money for Dak Prescott. It makes sense to keep Amari Cooper around, no matter the fact that the you know the draft has potentially sort of 25 receivers you take in the first three rounds. You cannot buy. The production that Cooper gave them um, last season, and I think um, I think that's what they've done. You know, it, it is excessive money, um, but it's the you know you're just going to see deals for you know it looks like DeAndre Hopkins is renegotiating a deal um, in, in Arizona, and it, I don't think it'll take long until 
until that deal outweighs the Amari Cooper one. So, you know, these things are cyclical. Um, and uh, for me, if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm happier today that Amari Cooper remains a Cowboy than I am if he was uh, on the market. Right, let's uh, let's talk the Dolphins then. The big movers and shakers yesterday. I mean, some moves that they're, that are there to be loved, and some may be less so. This often happens when a team have got a lot of cap and a lot of picks. And I think we we'll probably just leave it to you, Simon, to talk through them. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, and uh, you know, I think probably if the day had started the other way around with um, Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy, I, I think it would have been uh, a very interesting one, and probably probably greeted slightly differently um I, I, can i just say i'm glad it was the way around it was because the announcement yeah, flows first it was wonderful to watch the meltdown that occurred it was. what i think is interesting but what i do think is interesting is that there's clearly a plan and i mentioned it on the video that we've released on uh, on at gridiron on twitter there's there's clearly a plan there's clearly young players in the plan you know i, I know van Noy is 29 but the five the four of the five guys they signed yesterday shaq lawson is 25 uh, eric flowers is 25 byron jones is just 27 and uh, and Clayton Fajeldum is 20, uh, 26. Um, so clearly, that's part of the, the movement. They're clearly going to spend money um, because not only have they got significant holes to fill, but also... You know the the wage bill is the lowest in the in the NFL, and there's a minimum wage tariff that they have to meet, and they they wouldn't have met it if they hadn't started spending money. Um, the number one cap space team in the NFL, um, and certainly with Lawson and with Flowers, I see what the plan is. I don't necessarily agree, certainly with the Flowers deal, but I, I see what the plan is. It's young, hungry, slightly arrow up players who fit a, a certain scheme. You know, Shaq Lawson was was recruited by Marion Hobby, who's the Dolphins' defensive line coach, played under him at Clemson, obviously played next to Christian Wilkins, played significantly better last year, heavy-handed. Um, I think he immediately, immediately becomes the best rush threat along with Vince Beagle that that team has. Van Noy, obviously, on the other side, he's 29, but he's coming in as a culture changer, a guy who's just a perfect scheme fit, obviously rushed the passer a little bit more last season than, than perhaps in previous years, and eight and a half sacks, something like 45 hurries. You know, he's just a really, really he's good player. He's very good at everything, so. Yeah. Like, I, I, he, was, he was really good, as you say, as a pass rusher last year and did it a lot more, but it felt like that was almost by necessity that they used him there. Yeah. If anything, I think he's more skilled off the ball and, and just using him in different places. Yeah, Flowers was a disaster as a left tackle, both and a right tackle in in um, in New York and then in um, in Jacksonville. I do give him credit for turning it around um, in the second half of last season. I watched a few of his games yesterday, um, and and actually came away slightly happier than I than I thought I was going to. Actually, certainly in the second half of the season, I thought a left guard. He looked to you know, and don't forget, he's twenty five. He came into the draft at age twenty. Um, he was immature. He was had the, the lazy tag. He subsequently got married. He's got kids. He seems to have been settled. He's coming back to Miami. Obviously, went to the University of Miami. You know, is he going to line up next to Trent Williams? That's that's the big talk. You know, amongst Miami fans and the and the Miami media. You know, will they be reuniting that left side of the Washington offensive line in Miami? Obviously, Trent Williams available potentially for a third rounder. Um, oh. It will be interesting to see what happens with. Um, with Flowers. I, I think Byron Jones, 2018, alongside Stefan Gilmore, was the best corner in the league. He's so versatile, he's played free safety. But you just, you know, you lock him and Xavier Howard on the perimeter, and, uh, and that opens an awful lot of things up. As Matt will testify, you know, Brian Flores appreciates yeah. defensive backs more than, you know, almost anybody not called, well, more than anybody not called Bill Belichick in the league. And it really opens things up with, you know, what they do. 
uh, in the draft with those three first round picks because you know although they're looking you know you, you think potentially they might be looking around for you know a safety which I'm, I'm certain they will it really you know they could go a number of ways with their safeties they could take an Xavier McKinney a guy who can pretty much do everything play in the box play deep they can take an Anton Winfield Brian Flores he is on record as saying his favorite player of all time is is Anton Winfield's father Anton Winfield senior who obviously played in Buffalo played with the Vikings cornerback was a pro bowler really good player um, but then you look at someone like Grant Delpit, you know, a, 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 an incredibly rangy, pure single high free safety who could just sit. Because if you if you got these the two most expensive cornerbacks on an island on either side, boy, that gives you some you know some latitude to have a really rangy free safety back there who can really do some yeah, things. Devin on the McCarty's made his name doing that exactly. in the system. Exactly. So it will be fascinating to see. And then uh, for Jeldon, he replaces Walt Aikens. Walt Aikens has been the Dolphins special teams captain for a long time, but he is not a good player on defense. For Jeldon was the Bengal special teams captain, hasn't missed a game in four years and actually was used much more and much more efficiently in sub packages. So he's going to be one of those kind of roving sub package safeties who will excel on special teams. So I think for the Dolphins, it was a, you know, it was a pretty decent day. And the team, you know, is... It, it was a start. I think that most Dolphins fans hoped that they would that they would come out with. You've come away with five players who will make a you know a significant contribution. I, I assume with more to come, potentially an A. Sean Robinson. There's been talk about Melvin Gordon. There's been talk about the trade for Trent Williams, and then you've got these 14 draft picks as well. So you know, arrow up. I think for the Dolphins after that. I, I think significantly as well. Sorry, the, the the level of investment in cornerback, and again, haven't watched this play out for many years many of the last few years in particular in New England is, it just negates the, the necessity to pay heavily for a pass rusher, which is yeah, ultimately definitely. still the most important, uh, still the most expensive position on the defence in the NFL. So I think yeah, I think the way that you look at it from an analytics moneyball perspective is you can invest one and a half times in cornerbacks than what you would put into a single outstanding pass rusher, yeah. and it gives you a lot more kind of creativity in what you can do with, with the defence overall. Definitely, definitely. Well, mentioning pass rushers, let's move on to that. We already said Jason Pierre-Paul back in Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll talk about Javon Hargreave to the Eagles in a moment. Uh, the blockbuster trade at the top end of the draft yesterday was DeForest Buckner for the 13th overall pick going from the San Francisco 49ers to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, from a Colts perspective... Uh, they're not going to necessarily, well, they're really unlikely to get a better player than Buckner at 13 overall, proven in the NFL. And and outside of Aaron Donald, probably the most disruptive interior lineman last season and, and over the last few seasons. Um, and they've got the cap space. They've got the cap space to spend, and it's going to be an absolutely mammoth contract once it's confirmed, uh, expected to be well in excess of, of $20 million per per season so you know I, from a Colts perspective can't fault it at all I'm excited to see how he looks in the in the Matt Eberflus defense and Chris Ballard has previously talked about his love of three techniques I think he said something along the lines of it all starts with the three techniques so um, it's a no-brainer move from a Colts perspective uh, from a 49ers perspective obviously hate losing a game-changing player that's never a positive but equally, you can't keep everyone on a team when you've had so many high picks over the last five years or so and, and people have to be paid. So what I do like from it is that the Eric Armstead deal, there's been a lot of comparison saying keep Armstead and, and 
dropping Buckner was the wrong way to go. The Armstead deal is so team friendly over its first three seasons. I mean, his cap hit this year is $5.4 million. So that's freed up to allow them to re-sign Jimmy Ward and to also with the 13th overall pick go and address one of their two biggest needs, either wide receiver or cornerback. So I think really the decision wasn't Buckner or Armstead. It was Buckner or potentially three players who will all make a difference next season. So, yeah, don't like him going, but I also can see why the decision was sensible. Um, It's going to be interesting to see whether or not how they decide to address that interior of the line. They had a rotation of guys uh, last year, DJ Jones being the one guy who often moved from one, two, three and did do a good job when he did so. But it's I think it's going to be more of a rotation rather than trying to either go out and find someone in the draft unless Clancy can tell me of someone to be excited about well, I or, think, um, or I think sign got, someone. I think they got weaker on that defensive line because I believe that Buckner was one of the elite players at his position. Um, the, I the think they'll of, regret. Like, yeah, I mean, we were discussing Hargrave yesterday and I was thinking to myself, where would I put him? And my defensive tackle rankings are basically Aaron Donald and then Fletcher Cox just underneath. And I've thought that, but I actually, when I think about Buckner to me is alongside Fletcher Cox in that category. And and I think that the Colts, the Colts have shown the value of patience because they've had this cap space now for a couple of seasons and they've kind of gone, they haven't taken risks with it and they've waited for opportunities. And this is one of those opportunities that I think is too good to pass up. And I do think the 49ers will regret it. I, I just think that he's too good a player to let go. There's, there's, there's a, there's a level and it's difficult, you know, because there's a lot of players just under that level of where you're prepared to let them go. I think that for the Colts, it's a great deal. And I, I, I do genuinely think the 49ers will regret it. I think he was a heartbeat of that defensive line. I think, you know, as good as Bozer is, I thought Buckner was the best player on it. And, I, I you know, what makes me nervous about Armstead is that, you know, he had the sort of average before, you know, at the average seasons and then really kicked in in that final year. I always get nervous about people that, play really well in contract years but the flip side of that is that you get the 13th pick now you know we talked off uh air last night about the um about the possibility of taking a receiver you know jerry judy or a cd lamb or whatever but i think it has to open the door as well for a javon kinlaw the the south carolina defensive tackle slash defensive end um who i think would be a perfect fit for that defense in terms of his ability to get pressure um, I think he's a terrific player and to me that is somebody I think the 49ers should be targeting if he makes it to that point and I think ultimately it's going to come down I, I think ultimately it'll come down to three positions and, and potentially even three players and I think that will either be Jerry Judy slash CD Lamb uh, Javon Kinlaw or CJ Henderson the cornerback from Florida um, because I feel like the 49ers now need help in those three areas but you know that to me Kinlaw that matchup looks like um, looks like it could be a terrific one but uh, I think as Matt says they're going to I think they're going to regret losing Buckner because I just think he's such a good player and a great deal for the Colts the, um, the final two things to say about it is I think that uh, Jimmy Ward is more important to the 49ers than I think people realise in terms of people see the scheme and compare it to the Seahawks slash Jags slash Falcons scheme of recent years. And it's actually a lot more diverse on the back end and Jimmy Ward being the really movable piece of that than I think people realise. And the other thing is that having given up the second round pick this year for D Ford previously, which is, I mean, if you're going to talk about paying anyone on that line, I would say D Ford's contract over Eric Armstead's might be the bigger issue when it comes to keeping DeForest yeah. Buckner, but then using the third rounder and the fifth rounder on Manny Sanders. I mean, they don't have any picks in the first 
in the first four rounds bar the 31st overall. Now they've got two first rounders, so don't be at all surprised to see them trade one of those two back to pick up some more capital. And they had great success the last two years. They've drafted superbly in rounds two, three, four. So I would say that that's another reason for this move. Like I say, I don't like losing a a game-changing player. I understand from a balanced perspective, but I can also understand why people are pretty negative on it. Uh, Let's just mop up some of the other deals that were done yesterday. The Cleveland Browns on offense had Austin Hooper. They massively overpay Austin Hooper. The nature of the tight end market this season with Hunter Henry being tagged and with a a pretty weak draft class there. But they also do add Jack Conklin, who I I, obviously had a great season last season after maybe a couple of down years from his rookie year. Um, They've definitely got better uh, I still don't know what to expect from Cleveland and from Seaford next year, though. I think yeah. it's coaching as well, don't you? I think coaching plays yeah. such a huge role in that that cluster bomb of <laughs> last season that I, I think it's almost like a complete reset for everybody because that offense was significantly better than what we saw out on the on the field. And you know, Conklin certainly makes a difference. I, I still think they're going to be in the in the business for a left tackle as well. Um, but at some point, an offense with you know Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Austin Hooper, Jack Conklin. I mean, that's got to click into place. Yeah, David and Joku, That's got to click into place pretty soon. And yeah, you know, I, if, I, if it I, does, I, look out. I, I like the fact that it at least fits the system. I mean, you know, Stefanski's shown an ability to use tight ends, so I don't think Njoku is necessarily going to be on the trading block in the way that I thought he could be when it was first announced. Um, there's just no excuse for Baker Mayfield, though, is there? That's the reality as well. That they've they've ridded and they've brought in some insurance for him as well in case Keenum. But yeah, all eyes on Baker Mayfield now. Who needs to? And I think based on your chat with him at the Super Bowl, has realised this well. He needs to do his talking on the field instead of at the podium next season and 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 bounce back after a really bad second year. Case yeah. Keenum could be the best signing that the Browns make over the past two years. Not yeah. not for what he does on the field, but what he does off the field in terms of the, the, the mentality that he shows Baker Mayfield, the, the way that he shows him how to be a professional player, um, the way to handle himself, the way to carry himself, the way to be a leader, both on the field and off the field. I think that might be the most important thing that Kevin Stefanski does this season or you know moving forwards, really, because that, I think that's key. Yeah, Mayfield making all the right noises over Super Bowl week. And certainly when I chatted to him, came across as somebody who was genuinely humble and realised what a mess he made of last year. But players have said the right things in the offseason before and then just gone back to type as soon as, uh, you know, they're back in camp. So we'll have to wait and see. Elsewhere, Atlanta signed Hayden Hurst, uh, trade for Hayden Hurst, in fact, um, to replace Austin Hooper. Jimmy Graham goes to the Bears. There you go, Bears fans. Something happened for you this offseason. Uh, <laughs> it didn't really, though, did it? <laughs> I mean, nothing's happened to Jimmy Graham since he was badly undressed by the Seahawks before a playoff game and has never played well since. And that was when he um, still at the set. <laughs> Finish off last few moves. Uh, the Giants paid James Bradbury pretty decent money. Again, a team with plenty of cap space and a rookie quarterback. Um, wasn't wasn't Byron Jones money, but was certainly good money for the market. And uh, yeah, I'm with you, Simon. I think he's a good player. Yeah, and also the, don't forget the corner market has been so undervalued financially over the last few years that you know you're beginning to see you know all, all that you're really seeing with the deals that you're seeing for cornermax is that they're just catching up with most other positions for some yeah. bizarre reason and safety as well some bizarre reason given the importance of cornerbacks and safeties in the NFL that they've been underpaid for years so I think what you're just seeing is a, a correcting of the 
of the wrong, as it were, of the financial um, situation from years past. And and Bradbury to me is a really good cornerback. And it what it does point as well, Carolina sort of looking to join Jacksonville in terms of the uh, Trevor Lawrence um, race for for twenty twenty one. Yeah, certainly, uh, Matt Rule. Uh, rebuilding, I think, is the uh, the fair way to describe what's happening there right now. Uh, finally, offensive lineman getting overpaid. Uh, we've got a big V, Vitae, the Lions paying him $50 million over Crazy. five years. You know, a guy who was a, a decent swing tackle in that season when they went to the Super Bowl, he came in on a number of occasions for... You know, injured guys on either side of the line uh, was Peters and Johnson, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and and did an okay job. Fifty million. <laughs> they, they've, also massive, they've also massively overpaid Jamie Collins, who's already proven that if you give him a big contract, he won't play to that level once. Yeah. And Matt Patricia has, has, has now decided, let's do it a second time. Yeah, I don't think they're particularly long for Detroit, that pairing there, no. but not the players, the coaching and GM, I mean. Um, and Graham Glasgow going to the Broncos, 44 million over four years. I mean, we, we joked about this yesterday when the Tooney um, signing happened or the, the tagging happened, is that Glasgow Glasgow's agent should give the Patriots a call and thank them personally because he was going to get paid. And he does get paid pretty significantly well. Good player. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think John Elway is, is in that mode now where he's just desperate for his latest quarterback decision to succeed as well. So the key thing is to put the offensive line around him and give Drew Locke a chance to, to build upon it, you know, some, some pretty solid showings for a guy who I think we all thought was an incredibly raw prospect who would take some time. He certainly outperformed my expectations. And there's a nice young receiving corps in place in Denver as well. So, so yeah, that one made a lot of sense. And, and the Eagles signing Javon Hargrave as well. The the Howie Roseman's Oh, sorry, I missed that. Yeah, his love to for signing interior defensive linemen at this point is just insane, <laughs> isn't it? It feels like they signed the the most significant one of those every year since he's taken the, the GM reins there. But I think that's a really nice sign and and a and a very good player. Yeah, undoubtedly. Apologies. We we kind of touched on him when we were talking about the defensive tackles, and I forgot to come back round to it. But it's you know it's been a position of great strength for the Eagles over recent seasons, and they're going strength on strength there. In in as was described earlier, in NFC East, which was pretty pretty poor last season. Um, boys, excellent work. Can I just finish this out? podcast by saying <laughs> Bill Belichick has just released a statement on Tom Brady that is absolutely effusive in its praise, as you would expect to a degree, but it signs off saying he's a special person and the greatest quarterback of all time. Had you said that when he was still in the building, Bill, we might not be in this situation, but it's interesting that he, as, he, as he goes through the exit door, Belichick finally kind of gives him, I think, the love he always wanted. And that's always the way Dolphins, it's going to be with Belichick. Dolphins have signed Emmanuel Ogba, two-year deal. The deals just keep on rolling in, buddy. Yeah, man. There you go. Let's get this (laughs) out now before something (laughs) something else (laughs) made you happen. Yeah, get it over to me. Uh, keep going on to the social media at Gridiron uh, on Twitter at UK and Gridiron on Instagram. We'll keep posting videos with immediate reactions, podcasts rolling in as well. Uh, as always, rate, review, subscribe. It really does help more people find the show. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show.